0: What is up, motherfuckers? Welcome back to episode two of season two of the Meat Parade podcast. I know you guys have been long awaiting this season, so I am glad to be back. I'm here in the with my co-host, Sammy. Mm, That's me. He's here, and we have a very
1: special guest today.
0: Very
2: special. So
1: I'll let you go ahead and introduce yourself. Go right ahead. Hi, guys. Um, Mac, thanks for having me. My name is Mary Claire. Um, I'm a resident of Pensacola, but I'm down here, uh, in Orlando for a trip to visit a friend. Um, and I'm just really excited to be on. She a tourist or whatever. (laughs) It's kind
0: of crazy that you're here right now because again, we met in
1: Pensacola. I moved back a couple weeks ago, so it was just meant to be. Oh my God. The world is so small. It's, um, what is the, the K word, uh, for destiny or fate? I forget. karma? Karma? No, it's like. Chem, chem something? I don't know. I'm chem head empty. Head empty, no thoughts. No,
0: no, it's all good. I mean, it's serendipitous that you're here. I'm really glad that you're here. And I think Mary Claire has a really good perspective on a lot of things. Um, Thank you. She's a lovely, lovely lady. And um, we've sat down for drinks before. So I've definitely had my fair share of Mary Claire stories. So <laughs> I'm glad that the rest of the world gets to hear it. Um, and if you want to go ahead and self-identify, we like to ask our guests to say whatever they'd like to say about themselves.
1: Yeah. So um, I'm a student right now, um, but I'm also working uh, part-time. Uh, I won't say the organization because they recently put out a social media policy, so. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, in I'm 23, I'm a junior at the University of West Florida. Um, what else? Uh, my pronouns are she and her. Um, I'm very white, um, <laughs> um, and I'm currently in a relationship. Uh, two years next month, so yeah. Wow! Congratulations! <laughs> Thank you. That's a big landmark. That's you want to plug your
2: socials there for the fans oh, yeah. out there?
1: So my Instagram is just my full name, no, um, no numbers or anything. It's just uh, Mary Claire Robinson, and then my Twitter is Call Me MC.
0: Period. Cute.
1: Y'all better follow. Y'all
0: heard. <laughs> so we got a lot of good stuff to talk about today with Mary Claire. Um, But before we go ahead and get into it, I am going to run an ad really quick, because as you know, we got sponsors this season. I just wanted to go ahead and give a quick shout out to Principium Designs. Principium Designs is a woman-owned, handmade clothing and face mask retailer based here in Orlando, Florida. Not only are the masks super cute.
2: Very cute.
0: They can also be made to order. And that means custom. Yes, honey. They just dropped some new styles and they are offering 70% off on some of their old styles. So be sure to check out their Etsy. Um, You can find them on Instagram at Principium Designs, P-R-I-N-C-I-P-I-U-M Designs. And on Etsy, they are Principium Principium Supply. All right. Remember to stay safe, wear your mask kids. And thank you so much, Madison, for sponsoring this podcast. Y'all give them a follow. Mm -hmm. Period. Love it. <laughs> okay. Her masks are
2: so good too.
0: I know they're so cute. Yeah. She has some little Valentine's Day ones that oh are coming God, yeah. out. You she also have- has this
2: like Orville packed kind mask with like a little fringe, which is like, oh, it just speaks to my little queer heart, you know. It's so
1: it. I have like two masks that I'm always uh, washing, so you'll need to send me a link to her. Oh, shop girl, I, I got I've been you. So many masks. <laughs>
0: yeah, she's great stuff. Madison is awesome, so thank you, Madison. All right, so I guess we'll start out and kind of set it up. How do I know Mary Claire? <laughs> I met Mary Claire at a protest. She is a badass. She is a fucking researcher. Um, she is the mayor's least favorite cyber bully. Um, oh my god!
2: I'm um, sorry about
0: that. Once we get into she's it, she's awesome. She's awesome. And like I said, I met her at a protest, so she's good people. Um, maybe set up for us a little bit, like what brought you into like journalism and activism.
1: Mm-hmm. So. Um, it, to preface, I was always into um, theater in grade school. Oh okay. and you then, feel like such
2: a theater kid. I, <laughs> I, I've,
1: I've heard that. <laughs> um, and so when I was in high school, I was I was just like so set on going, majoring in theater, going to like big city like New York, mm. and and then senior year, I was like, you need to come out of the clouds, girl. Like you have no money. You know you're you know you're definitely. You don't have enough experience to get into that. And that's not me like discrediting myself. I still think I'm, you know, a relatively good actress, but it wasn't like, I wasn't ready to, um, you know, you know, make that move. Um, I don't think I was mature enough to go live on my own in New York. Definitely at like 18 years old. Um, I wasn't ready to, you know, wonder if I was going to eat. Uh, on a day or not. Cause I know that industry is really competitive and, and the
2: market is so saturated and oh there's God, so many yeah. talented people that just like,
1: yeah. And so I decided, um, I've, I've also, um, always been really interested in politics. Mm. I think, um, it started when I was in middle school, um, during, uh, Barack Obama's uh, second term. And Mm -hmm. I knew a lot of people who went to Catholic high school Mm -hmm. and whereas I went to um, a more predominantly black school. And so I was, you know, I knew sides that were, you know, really critical of, you know, our first black president and like, you know, his more quote unquote leftist policies, you know, looking back, it was, he was definitely a moderate, but at that time, you know, not knowing a lot, um, he was definitely what I saw, not knowing a lot as a progressive president um, and but then so, the precursor
2: again was, like, the Bush administration. Exactly, so like kind of like-
1: exactly. And, like, knowing, like, you know, doing research as, like, you know, that teenager about, like, mm-hmm. Reagan and Bush and all that. It was like, oh, my God, Obama's a godsend. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, don't – please no one take that out of context. <laughs> no one just, like, take that uh, little snippet of this podcast, please, God. Um, <laughs> But and so, I, you know, from there being really interested in politics and current events and then coming from a household that, you know, my uh, father was always um, growing up. He labeled himself as a social conservative, which, you know, knowing now it's like that's, you know, an oxymoron. You can't be that. Yeah. Right. But um, I've always, you know, we would watch the news and, you know, debate. And I've always been really passionate. There, there are times that um, the heat, the debates with him got so heated that I would cry. Mm-hmm. And it's like, um and it's then that I like kind of realized my passion for, you know, justice and, you know, just stuff like that. And um I was also um became I also became more aware of the fact that I could incorporate like my love of theater into a, you know, a journalism degree by, you know, aspiring to go into broadcast journalism, you know, mm-hmm. being maybe being um a traveling news correspondent. And so that's you know been my aim going into college. Um, I have an A an AA in journalism, and then I am working on my BA in telecommunications. Hot period. Shit. She so. educated, whatever. <laughs> okay. So, um yeah, that's the goal to be to be in the um, the mass media industry in some way, shape, or form, whether mm-hmm. it's writing, you know, um, a news outlet. I know a lot of stuff is transitioning to online versus television now. So I'm gonna take what I can get. But um, that's kind of where it started was, you know, as when I was a teenager, I realized um, how passionate I was about, you know, politics and wanting to not to sound like pretentious, but like change the world. Like, I feel like it's definitely going to start with this generation, so.
0: Yes, queen. Yes. (laughs) Okay, I love that. I wanted her to kind of explain that to you guys because, I mean, Mary Claire is a bomb-ass person, (laughs) and it is super exciting that she is on the podcast here with me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just kind of wanted to, like, bring her on, and I think it's really important that we, like, explore
2: perspectives of,
0: like, just dating in your 20s because, it's fucking crazy. Like, and not and everyone, every experience
2: is the same. There's, you know? there's
0: so many like pathways and so many different, different ways that experiences can one happen and two be interpreted. So, mm-hmm. um, I kind of just asked Mary Claire to write down some stuff for me today that she would be interested in talking about. And one of those first things was, you know, setting up kind of what her life looked like when she was single. Because obviously, she's been in a relationship for two years now. So, mm-hmm. It's crazy. What can you about. tell us about
1: that, Mary Claire? So, um, I I don't, so I had a boyfriend for 4 months in 8th grade, but I was 14, so I don't really count that. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then I never dated in high school. Um, one, I just wasn't really interested in any of the boys at my school. Um, I was more friends with all of them, especially the ones in the theater program. Um, and it wasn't really a priority for me. Um, you know, not to say, like, I'm not like other girls. I don't date. I'm, like, a guy's girl. It was just, like, I wasn't really into it. Yeah. Um,
0: you weren't searching priority, for romance. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, was just,
1: I was just trying to graduate high school. And that's how I'm hearing That's the way boo. <laughs> and then um, when I got into college, freshman year of college, um, I definitely became more interested um, in putting myself out there, kind of mingling um, with guys in my classes, you know, the ones I thought were cute. Mm-hmm. And then um, I think what was it maybe 20 years old i think i um 19 or 20 i started my first tender and that was like a really 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 surreal experience (laughs) because i was like i can just swipe left or right on these men you're right it's like
0: a catalog it's literally like looking at like a fashion catalog but it's also like
2: like very weird because like you're very aware that everybody who's on there is also like seeking out other partners, potential yeah. partners. So it it's is like,
1: weird. That is a weird yeah. aspect of it. It was really, like, I had no idea what it was or how it operated going into it mm-hmm. right and it also like i was very aware of how superficial it was
0: like oh, yeah like sure. you're just a face in like in a yeah. queue of faces which is yeah. so interesting this was also, like yeah. the
2: beginning of like dating apps really like 10 years like oh, yeah. one of the big ones now we have like hinge and like bumble which is oh, a little God. bit more like personal i right like now.
1: bumble i like bumble i use that one and we'll go into this but i used that when i was abroad mm. but um yeah. And so it was, I was aware that it was superficial. And then like before swiping right on a guy, I would like look at his bio. And if it was anything that I was like, that's not going to fly. Um, I would, you know, Go left on him. but Or if he was I, a fish boy. Oh, my god! Oh, my The fish yes. boys. I really hate the fish boy. And then boys. Pensacola being, you know, a Gulf oh. Coast city. Those, okay. Like There's only fish boys. Seven out of ten men on Tinder that you, like, swipe on are going to have at least one picture of them holding up a fish. Yikes.
0: Yeah, and no, the other three out of ten are
2: in the military, so. Oh, my God.
1: Okay, don't knock the military. Okay, my yeah, friends. you're right. You're right. No, you're no, right. No, like, um, <laughs> no he. Uh, Air,
2: Air Force out there, right? Pensacola's Air Force? Um, Navy. Navy.
1: Yeah, he's in the Navy. Uh, okay. He t- for the record, he hates it and he wants to get out. Um he's like, you know, he's at the end of his contract, uh December of this year. He's leaving the fucking the fucking military. Mm. But um uh I was saying tender and dating in my twenties. So um <laughs> uh after college, I think I um after I took a, a gap year in twenty eighteen um and then in the fall of 2018, I went abroad, and it was originally to be an au pair, which is like a live-in nanny, in a, you know, for a, someone from a different country, and you kind of live with the people the people you're taking care of, and you watch their children during the day, and um, I had experience working in childcare, and I'd always wanted to go overseas, and so that was something that really appealed to me. Um, and then, you know, to make a very long convoluted story short, it um, it didn't quite work out. And then the country that I initially went to uh, was Ireland, and then it didn't work out. And so uh, my mom and dad, um, instead of, you know, flying me all the way back home for like thousands of dollars, they were like, you know, why don't you go to London while we sort this out? While we, you know, find you another family to work for. And I was like, "Uh, yeah, I want to go to London. And so um, I stayed in a hostel for three months, and that was pretty tricky because I had to rebook a room every two weeks um, absolutely drowned my savings. Um, and then I like to think of London as, uh, one of the best times of my life, but also one of the worst. Uh, on one hand, I made some really great friends and I still keep in touch with them. I fell in love with the city and, you know, the English culture and the architecture. I think, oh my God, just so beautiful. Like all these buildings are older than the country I was born in you know? And, um, so I just, I fell in love with there and eventually I want to move back and work there. And, um, but it was also one, like a really, really dark time. Um, so when I was 21, I was diagnosed with bipolar two and I had no idea, like, uh, in hindsight, it's, it's really, um, enlightened me on like some of the things that I've been through, in my life. Um, and at 23, like two years later, I'm still learning so much about it. Um, but in London, it definitely, the disorder definitely came to a head when, um, I was off my medication. Um, I wasn't taking it. So, uh, on some days I would either not leave the room in my hostel. I would be just in the bed the entire day, like 24 hour day in bed, like Mm. streaming suits on Netflix. Like, (laughs) but, um, so, wait, then, was it
0: hard to get access to your medication, like, overseas, or was it just, like, a choice that you were making? So,
1: you know, bless my parents, always, like, my rocks, but um, they would ship it to me, you know, like, priority mail, mm. but it was, like, the lack of motivation, the lack of... Um, you know, kind of security or permanence. Uh, right. I just, it, yeah. it kind of threw me off. And Were you it,
0: working at all?
1: I was not working. Okay. I was not yeah. working. So I also didn't have that sense of like, I'm doing something here. I have a purpose. Yeah, It was just me trying to kind of figure out how to spend my days until I could figure out what I was going to do next. Mm-hmm. And so right. I'm a very routine oriented person. And so to not have that sense of, purpose. It's was so disorienting. Yeah. It was yeah. like, Oh, what the fuck am I doing here? You know? <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: And so, you know, on the other end of like falling in love with the city and making a lot of friends, I had days where it was just like, I wouldn't get out of bed. And then, um, symptoms of, you know, bipolar disorder being super impulsive and reckless and
2: sexually promiscuous. Yeah. Like hypersexuality,
1: yeah. overspending.
2: Mm- oh my God. So it's
1: just, yeah. it was that lack of impulse control that made me, um, make a lot of really poor decisions while I was over there. Like Mm -hmm. I was sleeping with a lot of strangers, really careless sex. And, you know, Mm -hmm. like I'm not, you know, knocking casual sex. It's, it's great if you're safe about it, Mm -hmm. but I was not. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, I did some illegal shit. I almost got arrested in a foreign country. So, um, would you indulge us in that story or no? So I was on, I was on a date with someone that I had met on, tender. Okay. And he took me to a bar and he was super sweet. He took me to a bar, you know, I met his friends and then we were like bar hopping. Um, wow. Imagine not being in a pandemic yeah, right? <laughs> and we were, um, we were bar hopping. And then at this one bar, he was like, his friend was like, Oh, you know, this guy's name, I'm not going to like, um, is going to go to the bathroom real quick. And then I was like, okay. And then before they did that, they went outside and, like, I guess they went, they, like, they got, you know, their coke from their dealer outside and they were really sly about it. And I had no idea what was going on. Mm-hmm. I grew up very sheltered. Mm-hmm. And then he, like, you know, we were in the corner at the bar and he kind of, like, pulled out the little baggie and he was like, do you want some? And then, you know, having absolutely no inhibitions, being also drunk, mm-hmm. you know, deadly combination. And I just, was like, like, wanting
2: the high of something. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. I
1: wanted to fucking feel It's something. literally right in
0: front of you. Like, you're not even seeking it out at that point. It's being yeah. offered to you. Yeah. So.
1: And so um you know we went into the i think it was a communal bathroom i honestly can't remember mm-hmm. and you know we snorted coke off a key and um and so this oh, this one fucking rat was like you know a guy wanting to go to the bathroom and you know there are urinals there i don't know if he had to shit or what but he was like knocking on the door and i guess you know we were taking a while and so he went and got security security's banging on the door at this point and, oh you know, and so we finally come out and I'm trying to act as casual as possible. <laughs> Meanwhile, you know, I'm like, you know, sweating my tits off. I'm like, I am yeah. I am the most nervous I've ever been in my life. Holy and Church. he like, you know, looks into my eyes. He sees how scared I am. And he's like, he like just, you know, directs me. He's like, go. And then he takes the guy I was, you know, on a date with, he takes him upstairs and I go back to his friend and I'm crying. I'm like, Oh my God, he's going to get arrested. You know, if I had been more sly about it, he wouldn't have been found out. This is my fault. And then I was doing that for like three minutes and, um, his friend tapped me on the shoulder and told me to turn around and there he was. And I just like hugged him. I was like, so I was like, can I please go? Can we please go like back to your place? Like, I don't want to be out here anymore. And so we did. And then, um, God fucking damn it. And then we did some Coke again at his place. Yeah, like, yeah. And then, um, and so um but that was like the you know two like
2: the only two times I've done it. Like mm-hmm. never gonna do it again. Yeah. Um but I mean in a moment of like mania, it's just kinda like Yeah, you just kind of fall into these like impulsive decisions just yeah. to do it. And yeah. it's like
1: you I woke up like you know the next morning and I was like, what the fuck did I do that for? Mm. Yeah. Um and so that was, like, <clears throat> reckless decisions, you know, um, as symptoms of, like, bi- bipolar 2 and mm-hmm. being off my medication.
2: So uh, just, I kind of want to, like, just ask a few questions. Yeah, of course. Um, so as far as, like, bipolar disorder goes for you, I mean, it's different in everybody. Mm-hmm. But uh, knowing that you were, like, actively kind of, like, dating, I guess would be yeah. the word, in, like, London, how would you, like, describe your what role did like your bipolar disorder play in like all of it like were you only dating because you were seeking that or
1: yeah so it was um I was seeking I was just trying to feel something Mm -hmm. I wanted validation I wanted attention you know um and then like the sex made me feel something for you know an hour or two and then I'd go back to the hostel and feel fucking empty Mm -hmm. so it was really trying to occupy my time you know and just really like Seeking, yeah. like seeking something. I mean, something at that point, to, you
0: have no responsibility, yeah, like essentially seeking so.
1: something to you know, you know, I don't really sound like cliche, but fill the void, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. But so that was kind of, um, and I'd never disclosed to anyone I was dating there, um,
2: they were yeah. mostly one night stands. Yeah. I had it's um, kind of difficult, like, even like, well, I mean, I suffer from like the same thing, mm-hmm. so like, for me, it's been very hard to like bring it into a conversation, like casually, or even, like, mm-hmm. after dating someone for a while, like, usually takes me a few months to, like, sneak that in. Yeah. And it's something that's always such a point of contention, because, mm-hmm. like, people always seem to have, like, a stigma or, like, a preconceived notion of, like, exactly. what that means. Like, it's
1: just mood swings. Yeah, it's just,
2: or, like, even just, like, oh, so that means I have to, like, do this for you. Yeah, walk on eggshells. Yeah. Um,
1: and then I will say, uh, adding to that, just outside of being bipolar, it was also... Um, something that also contributed to those like, you know, that recklessness was I grew up very sheltered, very Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, sex That's before true. marriage was, you know, heavily, heavily discouraged. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sexual trauma, uh, you know, as a teenager, kind of, I wanted to feel in control. I wanted to feel, you know, sexually liberated. And so I was in charge of my own life and I was seeking that I was seeking, yeah. you know, some sort of control, regardless of how careless it was
2: mm-hmm. so that I mean, you kind uh, of like have to go through a period of that yeah i mean this kind of like what we call in- a hoe phase yeah <laughs> right exactly but it kind of plays into not only the whole like sheltered like religious family thing but kind of like into the whole like sexuality thing because mm-hmm. like when you're first like realizing like your sexuality you kind of like go like all out you're mm-hmm. like i want to like experience like every aspect of this yeah right. and then you start like just doing a whole bunch of shit. Mm-hmm. Um, just right, to, even,
0: like, a- even if you're uncomfortable with it. Mm-hmm. you're like Exploring Sometimes you'll push yeah. yourself through it because you're curious. Mm-hmm. That's not always the best yeah, option, yeah. but it's something that I think younger people tend to do. Yeah,
2: but it's like, I mean, I don't want to like, because the show is like very invalid, like where it comes from, but like the whole like Breaking Amish thing, <laughs> as an analogy, oh like God. that show has no <laughs> actual basis. Like it's very fake and very scripted. Well,
1: being... Uh, a television show about Amish yeah. people. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like
2: right? The irony
0: there. But
2: like the sentiment is like very real and it like did resonate with a lot of people. Cause like when you grow up like kind of like sheltered, like you know, you're not gonna um kind of like know what you want. So I mean me growing up kind of like in the same Catholic background, um kind of like realizing that I also liked men, um kind of like and also like gay culture is like a whole thing in its own, you know, yeah. like you're kind of like hypersexualized, like, especially bisexual women are like, they're so hypersexualized. Yeah. So you're kind of like th- thrust into this mm-hmm. and like without knowledge or like expectations, you kind of just like are put in situations um, that aren't true to who you are, but you don't know that yet. Right. right. And that's kind of like the sucky part about like being a sheltered kid. It's a um, big, big learning curve. Yeah, it is. For sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs>
1: we
0: got deep there, y'all. Yeah. So. Real though, that's crazy. That's a great observation. Yeah. So. I mean, it's just
2: like contextualizing it because, you know, like maybe, you know, you don't have bipolar disorder. Maybe yeah. you're not like gay or bisexual, but like these are things that can resonate with a lot of people on like different levels. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the sentiment is there. And, you know, for our listeners out there, you know, I I understand that like my experience mary claire's experience max experience is not going to be like congruent to yours but like ultimately the point of this podcast uh, of like talking about dating in your early 20s is to kind of like have a space where we can like resonate with our stories right because like there are more similarities than like we'd like to right yeah
0: exactly just talk like maybe just make the listener feel like included on like some of these conversations that like i've never had that conversation before Mm. like the one that we just had about like kind of you know feeling almost like you force yourself into doing something like that's not something i've ever verbalized but it resonated so hardcore and i
1: will say like especially like we've come so far progressively and you know being open to talking about stuff like you know sexuality has definitely come a long way where you know in decades past it was incredibly taboo yeah Yeah. i mean now we can even talk about like
0: i mean you think about 10 years ago yeah even 10 years even then like sexuality it was like hypersexuality without the sex. It was, like, this weird promiscuity. Right. Exactly. Exactly. As, like,
2: an object, you know? Right,
0: Um, exactly. But, like, we come to the
2: point where it's, like, you know, especially, like, when it comes to, like, female sexuality, we come from a point where, like, it was used as, like, a marketing strategy or, like, uh, for, like, the the thrill, the, like, wildness of it to now it's, like, okay, no, like, we can talk about, like, Girls masturbating because yeah, like, they I'm do just it. I was gonna you say know? that. Yeah,
1: yeah. right. And there's so much, you know, so much more of an emphasis, especially on you know social media and stuff. Like, you know, you have these influencers coming out. Like, you deserve to feel sexual pleasure. You deserve to like feel good. Yeah. It's not all right. these Man. stories that
2: I've heard of like yeah. girls that they've been in relationships with their boyfriend for like five years and they're like, yeah, you know, like I always give him oral, but like he's never gone down on me once. And oh I'm, like, my god. What?
0: Oh my god. Like, <laughs> like,
2: it it sucks because like yeah, there's like a social implication there. Like, society definitely, like, you know, put mm-hmm. something on you. But, like, the fact is, like, you shouldn't feel that way. Exactly. And, like, you, ultimately, you should, like, do something about it. Because he, if he's not putting, like... If he doesn't even ask, mm-hmm. you know, that, like, tells something. It's a very yeah, telling of, like, what kind of person he it's is. Like,
1: even, like, countering that, even with how far we've come, you know, being able to talk about these mm-hmm. things that, you know, once we just couldn't talk about without, you know, being so judged, there is, you know there is the reality that a lot of this is is so still so stigmatized and that's one of the reasons like I looked into the podcast and when you invited me to be on it I was like this is going to be a good experience I really want to do this
0: good well I'm so glad you're here yeah I'm so glad you. you're here and you're so insightful so Thanks. I think this is gonna be a great episode <laughs> um so tying back to like kind of what you were talking about when you're in London mm-hmm. so you're kind of talking about this partying and like this emptiness mm-hmm. and like these episodes that you were going through but like Tell me kind of how the experience wrapped up for you,
1: like towards the end. Yeah. So in the end, um, I ended up having to um, go back home because um, because my, my nana died. And my mom was like, you know, my nana growing up, she was my best friend. Right. And, you know, she FaceTimed me one night in the hostel and um, she was like, yeah, nana died. And I ended up getting drunk off my ass that night. Right. Um, and it was just, you know that's how I dealt with it. But she was like, we're booking you a plane ticket home. You know, you got, you have to be there for this. And I was like, I agree. And so that's how I ended up coming home. Um, then I got a job the next month. You know, I, um, went back to work with, um, the job i had had previously. Um, and then it, it's it's so like funny to say this out loud, but as soon as I got back, like I got back with my old group of friends, like I kept in touch with them. Like I would stay up till four a.m. to facetime to facetime them at ten p.m. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got back with my old group of friends, and um, but I went back to Tinder. Like, right, right. I went back to in the states, like, but the U.S. This yes, time. and then in Pensacola mm-hmm. as well. Totally I'm, different, I'm sure. And I will say that oh my god, is the Pensacola dating pool small? Yeah. It is like you if you, you know, casually hook up with somebody, I can guarantee you that you've met three of your Eskimo sisters.
0: Oh, uh-huh.
1: a <laughs> oh, uh. Uh-huh happened to me and I was like I had a friend who I like I knew I knew and I went to a concert with her and then we were talking about like guys we had dated or like not dated but like hooked up with that we like that we both knew and I was like oh my god you hooked up with this guy and she was like yeah and I was like oh my god so did I and so it's just it it was it's just oh my god I can't even believe how small Pensacola is compared to London you know But, um, so I was on Tinder and that is, you know, how I met my current boyfriend. Okay. I remember his bio. It was, um, he said six, three, but six, eight in heels. Oh, period. Okay. (laughs) And so I was like, that made me laugh out, like laugh out loud. And so I was like, okay, just for that, I'm going to swipe, you know, right on this man. And then selfies were cute too. Um, and then we went, uh, or we talked for about, you know, two weeks, um, uh, and then it was like, it, it's, that started in February, 2019. So I had been, uh, home for, um, about, you know, two and a half, three months. And, um, we were talking a lot, just texting every day. And then, um, Valentine's day, 2018, he was like, do you want to be my Valentine? And if he hears this, he's going to kill me <laughs> right? like, right, you're him. <laughs> am, for being a sweetheart. And I was like, absolutely. And then, um, and then we had our first date, um, A little after that, we went to this really cute cafe uh, in Pensacola. And I just remember, you know, it being really nice, just being able to talk with this guy. And it it was something that I hadn't experienced in a while. Like, you know, dating beforehand, I hadn't, you know, it was lacking so much substance. Like, there was always, you know, the elephant in the room, like, are we going to bang?
0: Right. And And I didn't
1: feel that with this guy. I felt like I was genuinely, like, he was interested in what I had to say. I was interested in what he had to say. And then I, like, we... He, he had to go to work right after the date, and so did I. And so, like, we left it. You know, we hugged. And then uh, 10 days later, on the 24th, he was like, do you want to be exclusive? And I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, And so, yeah, the 24th is our anniversary, and that will be two years. That is um, sweet yeah
0: (laughs) so how long how long of a period between London and then when you met your boyfriend how long of a period was that
1: so I got back uh from London in early November and then we started talking in early February so two and a half three months
0: okay yeah Yeah, so not really that long and coming from London obviously like you said you had a lot of like surface level like sexual and romantic encounters so like Tell me about, like, moving from, like, that space of your life Mm -hmm. into, like, now being in a two-year relationship. Like, Mm -hmm. how was it?
1: So I came back, and even before um, I went to London, it was kind of like, I am, at that time, I was uh, 21 years old. You know, like I said, I didn't date in high school. Um, I had never had, like, that romantic relationship. And then I was in school, and I was working, and I hadn't, you know, found someone Uh, through those mediums that uh, I was interested or that I wanted to connect with on a, you know, on a more than a platonic basis. And so that's why I went back to tender. It wasn't just like, I wanted to hook up. It was like, I was genuinely searching for someone who wanted to, you know, commit to that kind of relationship. And I had to, you know, say, you know like cut it off with a few guys just kiss it because they were like hey do you want to come over and i knew their I like their intentions right. were very very clear Right. and was, you
0: weren't you weren't like ignoring them either because i know sometimes like i've been put in those situations wrong, yeah. but i neglect to see it and then i end up hurting my own feelings
1: yeah so that's
0: really good it sounds like you gained a lot of growth from like yeah you know, the time oh my god you were over the, there.
1: The, the the character development the in, character in, the, in, the, in the span of in the span of like six months uh, for me was definitely it was absolutely insane and I recognize that now. And so I definitely grew from, you know, even it was a very dark period, but I definitely grew from it. So I'm, I look back on that and I try to focus on that. Um, I I was like two and a half, three months, um, you know, we're exclusive at the end of February and, um, and I don't think I disclosed to him that I was bipolar until like six months in. He knew I, um, he knew I had depression. He knew I was going to a psychiatrist, um, and he knew I, you know, was, um, on like daily medication for this. And then, um, I I forget like what brought it up or what, like what kind of question he asked that I, to where I, you know, that prompted me to tell him. Um, but when I did, I was like, oh yeah, I have bipolar disorder. It was very understanding. Um, but he is also a very neurotypical person, has never had like any kind of mental illness or many, like any like mental health struggles. It doesn't run in his family. Like it runs on both sides of my family. So I was fucked from the start. Right. Um, and so... It was, it was definitely, you know, I wanting, I wanting to commit to this man and like this, I can see if like a future with him, I can see, you know, definitely growing with this person. And so it was definitely difficult to navigate because I had that awareness of, oh, he doesn't understand this huge part of my life that I have to deal with. You know, how Mm -hmm. can I navigate that without it becoming a barrier or an obstacle in this relationship. And so that was definitely a learning curve on both of our parts. Right. And, and that's probably yeah. why you withheld it for a little while too. Yeah. You were feeling like yeah. unsure about it. I was, yeah, I was definitely nervous, but in the end, I'm really glad I told him cause he was understanding. He just, mm-hmm. and I, I really appreciated that he made it feel like not a big deal. He was like, Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. You know?
1: And so I was like, Oh, that's really cool. Um, but then in terms of, uh, you know, this disorder, like, affecting my relationship, it, you know, it made me definitely step have to step into his shoes, and be like, you know, consider the fact that he has almost no prior knowledge, you know, of, you know, mental disorders, or, you know, anything like that going into this relationship. So I can't immediately expect him to give me everything I need When I'm going through a, you know, a hypomanic episode or a depressive episode. And it's, I have just as much of a a responsibility to communicate with him explicitly. Like, this is how I'm feeling and this is why, and it's not you and it's not your fault. This is just how I woke up feeling today. Um, And this is what I need from you. And, um, you know, just stuff like that and being incredibly vulnerable Um, that was definitely the harder part. Like I've always been an open book. I was really um, fortunate to grow up in a family where communication was, you know, a huge, it was encouraged. It was like, you know, my mom and dad, when I was first diagnosed with depression at 14, they were like, you can always come and talk to me because they had experience growing up. Like it runs on both sides of the family. Right. And so they, they were versed in it. And so I was very fortunate to have like, you know, three siblings who, I can lean on and parents who are still together that I can lean on. And I I like recognize how, you know, fortunate I am to have that support and that, you know, just something, some people to lean on, like a good support system. But, you know, on the other hand, my boyfriend, I, it, it wasn't that, you know, his family had communication issues. I doubt that, like, he's very close with his family as well. Mm-hmm. It was that they didn't have that, or he didn't have he didn't grow up in an environment where mental health was like a very prevalent thing in the right. household. He wasn't exposed to it yeah. as much as
0: perhaps you were.
1: So. Yeah. Um. And so it was definitely, you know, kind of having to teach him, um, how to recognize those symptoms in me if I wasn't up to if I wasn't uh up to being very communic communicative, um, a certain night or you know, just kind of helping him recognize those symptoms. And two years in, he's gotten so good. He really is like, I will be irritable. I will lash out and he'll, he won't he will get defensive. He, he'll he understand and he'll remain calm. And, and it's just, I'm so lucky to have him, to have a person who's willing to learn and grow with me and, you know, just expose himself to these things that he could have easily, you know, shut me out, being like, I don't want to, you know, make that effort to learn about something new if I don't have to. Right. You know, it was six months into the relationship. It was still relatively yeah. early. And he could have walked.
0: Did, so before you told him, mm-hmm. were there instances where your disorder seeped its way into
1: the relationship and he like didn't have that information at the time? So I, um, I feel like I have a really just, I feel <laughs> this is going to sound so stupid, but I feel things really, really hard, Mm -hmm. like happiness, you know, and it's, it's all emotions, you know, whatever they are very heightened with this disorder. So I feel things incredibly hard, no matter what they are. Um, Literally, I think, oh my God, it was exactly a month after, you know, we became exclusive. Um, You know, my family went through this really traumatic loss of someone that we were really close to. I remember, like, a few hours after I found out, after, like, you know, crying with my family for a few hours, I was like, oh, shit, I have to tell my boyfriend. I have a boyfriend now. I have to tell him. And um, I texted him. You know, I told him what happened. And his response was, you know, lacking in what I was expecting. But in hindsight, I shouldn't have expected him, like, an outpour of emotion from him when, you know, he may not – have grown up, you know, where in a in an environment where it was okay, especially as a man, yeah. to express that kind of emotion. So it was, you know, frustrating at the time, but in hindsight, it was like I think he handled it and supported me as best he could. Like there were there would be nights when right. I just, you know, we would be like cuddling and then he would like touch my face and it would be wet. And he was like, why are you
0: crying? Yeah.
1: Um And so then he would just hold me and he, he was clear he didn't know what to say, but all he could give me was that like, you know, physical presence, like I'm here, you're not alone. Like, and that's really, that was really just, uh, it meant the world at, you know, at the time. Right. And I'm sure it's like very
0: validating too, especially Mm -hmm. if you've been in any situations with partners where they're not so, you know, forgiving or even understanding or even know. Yeah. So I'm sure that's that's probably the reason you're about to celebrate in two years. Yeah. And that's an exciting, so, that's
1: so, you know, fucking weird to think about is that first adult relationship ever. And yeah. it's, and it's successful. Like, yeah. that's so weird. Oh, you we were, we were definitely open with each other. Like he had a girlfriend before me and he dated her for, I think it was about two or three months. They ended up not staying together. Um, because she was very work focused. She was like in the police Academy and she was like all work, you know, like they mm-hmm. didn't have time to see each other. And that's kind of why it ended. Um, And he was heartbroken after that. He was like, he really liked her. Um, And then, you know, he met me and he was like, this girl is weird, but okay, I'll give it a shot. (laughs) And and I was like, well, thanks. And and then like, you know, months into it, I was like, you know, I was always reminding him, like, if I wasn't sure how to navigate a certain thing um, that I feel like most people would have known how I'd be like, Hey, I've never been in a relationship, so I don't really know how to do this. And he was like, Hey, it's okay, babe. It really is. Right. Yeah, Just he, like transparency yeah. was what really got you through that. And that is like, uh, I don't, I forget if I mentioned this earlier. I think I was talking to Sammy before we started recording, but like my big three in a relationship, you know, and especially in the relationship with my boyfriend right now, my big three are um, trust, communication, and vulnerability. Um, and, and those are just, those will, you know, get you through the toughest times, those three, right. those three factors. But those.
0: they are three factors that are kind of difficult initially, too. Like, oh my vulnerability God, is so, it can be so difficult, mm-hmm. you know, trust can be so difficult, like, for certain people based on, like, the traumas that they've gone through, so... Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good answer, honestly, because that's the only—if you're gonna lock out your partner, yeah, then you're not gonna have those things, and you're not really gonna have a relationship. At oh, the end absolutely. Of the day.
1: And so that's why I—I had to learn, and I was like, you know, for this man, being vulnerable is worth it. You know, right. opening up to him is worth it, um, and I think it always will be. It has been, and it always will be, in, in, in any relationship. So yeah, those are my big three. That's amazing. amazing. (laughs) So
0: that's, that's the trip. That's the trick to having
2: a two
1: year, (laughs) at least long relationship. Um, Like, and I will say whenever I, the big three, whenever I, you know, say trust, I always think of, um, so my social media, I, I'm always seeing these couples that are like, you know, and and no, no knocking to this. If you're happy and secure in a relationship and you want to show your partner off, you know, you know, that's great. I love seeing happy couples on my timeline and all that. Mm -hmm. But I've never been like, this is, you know, my first relationship. It wasn't like I've had relationships before this where I've posted boyfriends. It's just, I'm, I feel like I'm a pretty private person. Right. I don't post a lot. Um, I'm definitely active on social media, but on Instagram, it's definitely more political than it is personal. Right. Um, and if it is personal, it's me kind of bringing awareness to bipolar disorder. I feel like that's the most personal I get on my social media. Um, And, and then it'll be like, if, if it, you know, there's a rarity where I really like a picture of myself, then I'll post it, but it's not me going out of my way to post or anything. And then I should add that I am like, we're both, my boyfriend and I are both pretty camera shy. Like we'll Mm -hmm. take, you know, pictures together and stuff, but they'll always be like, you know, we'll you know, I think at least I am, I'm not sure if he is, but I am very critical of how I look in a picture and I'm like, Oh, I don't want to post that. And he's expressed to me, like, you know, I I can tell he hasn't like said it explicitly, but I, I you know, from one conversation, I could tell that his feelings were hurt that I hadn't posted him on social media. And there was kind of that, yeah. that insecurity, like, why has she not done that? And I had to sit him down and be like, these are the reasons why I'm a, you know, I'm a private person. It's not that, you know, I'm not proud to be dating you, you know, that I don't want to show you off. It's just, I don't want to do it on social media. It's, I feel like social media is a very superficial, um, kind of like you, you, it's very like narrow scope into a person's life. Yeah, And, you know, like we only, God, it's such a, a, such a tendency to only display like the best aspects of your life whether it's you know your physical appearance appearance or like your successes in life like right you're not gonna you know unless you have a fence though which you know i do as well or like you're you know on emo twitter but you're not gonna be like um to the public i uh, i just i'm feeling super low um at least i'm not like i'm not gonna tweet had a huge fight with my boyfriend today. Um, he's, right. And nobody friend, does. Yeah. I mean, when
0: you get on social media, especially when you're in a state, like after something emotional or something, just not on a perfect day, you're seeing everybody else's perfect day. Exactly.
1: So and there's, there's such a tendency to compare ourselves to the people we see. Oh, a hundred percent. You know, like if I've had a, you know, a fight with my boyfriend and then I go on Instagram and I see like these, these couples portraying themselves as super happy. I'm like, you know, I have to remind myself that they get in fights too. Yeah. Um, and so I, I know like I'm in, by no means famous, by no means an influencer. I'm a, I'm a regular, <laughs> I'm a regular Joe. I'm a, the, the most regular Joe you could ever get. But I also, I wouldn't, in all good consciousness, I wouldn't feel right contributing to that kind of, um, you know, I don't know, very narrow and, um, I don't know what I'm trying to say like that this is well obviously
0: this is something that you have noticed very mm-hmm. much is like the way that people portray this narrow perspective of like mm-hmm. me and my boyfriend and we're like running in a field and we're like yeah. making out like yeah. in the passenger seat and some random person's taking pictures of us exactly like, like, like who? who is, like,
1: who's taking ma- the pictures you're making out on your bed who is i was setting
0: those pictures who set up the tripod and what happened next Sean? yeah i just want to know how like, long did it take
1: as well no no
0: self-timer kissing photos i have beef with those. I'm not even gonna lie. I'm not even gonna lie. But I agree. I think that's super valid that you wouldn't want to contribute to that if it's something that you're so mindful of. And on Mm -hmm. top of that, that is like fucking like next level like knowing yourself shit to be able to articulate
1: that the way that you did. Thank you. I feel like um, especially with mental illness, (laughs) it's been very like it's taught me to be very emotionally intelligent and intrapersonally and, uh, interpersonally, um, just very aware.
0: Right. Because if you,
1: I mean, generally, like my sister has bipolar as well. Mm -hmm. So
0: like, but if you can't be responsible for your emotions, which she has struggled with a lot, she's like Mm -hmm. 18, like you're either like picking, you're either dissecting yourself apart inside or you're wreaking havoc on the world outside of you because you, you, you're not doing that like inside searching,
1: which is an exhausting, like Mm -hmm. factor to mental illness. And I that but- is, this is the hill I will die on is that you do not need to share your relationship on social media for it to be valid. There was um I saw a friend's story on Instagram and she was doing a Q&A and someone asked her like what do you think about people quote unquote hiding their relationships from social media and she goes if you ain't posting me you're cheating. And I like I messaged her and I was like this isn't accurate. You shouldn't put this out there. Right. Like my boyfriend and I have each other's passcodes and it's not even because we ever feel the need to like snoop on each other's phones. I don't, I've never been like, give me your phone. Yeah. Or even like taking it when he's not looking. Cause I know his passcode. It's not, it's, it's the principle of, you know, if one of us is ever feeling like insecure or paranoid, it's a, it's, it's about being like, Hey, if you're feeling this way, I'm not going to get defensive. I have nothing to hide from you. You're human. Here's my phone. Yeah. Like just actually having the ability to reassure that person and like build that trust with them. It's all about building trust and like maintaining that trust.
0: Exactly. And I think part of it, a part of that like mentality of like, if you ain't posting me, cheating on me is like so many women Mm -hmm. through, whether it be through like just growing up, you know, based on your father figure or based on the society that we live in, like, Women are told from a very young age to seek male validation, yeah, and public male validation, and so I don't think that what she said was wrong, but it's more of like a like symptom of our like yeah. culture. Like it's not it's not really her fault. It's more society's fault, no, not, so, not at all. But that, that is that is yeah. a really toxic mindset to have. Yeah. Like the way that like if you're not being shown on a fucking banner being pulled by a plane over by like by the beach like then you're not like your relationship Mm -hmm. is invalid and Mm -hmm. like I don't know I think you have like a very unique perspective on it because I I think like you're almost like kind of against that mentality by like breaking it down and really thinking about it and talking about it the
1: way that you have Mm -hmm. so and like I um I've been like you know, and next month is our two year anniversary. And I've been thinking about like, so I have a a folder in my phone, which is pictures of him and pictures of us. And I've been thinking about, you know, posting him on Instagram for our two year anniversary, just because I feel like that's a big milestone in my life. And that's something that I would want to share because I feel so good about it. But just in, in daily life, you know, I don't feel that need to be like, here's my boyfriend, just so everyone knows.
0: Right, exactly. And I've even thought like in the past, like, I have neglected telling people about my relationships or posting my relationships because I felt like in some contexts, mm-hmm. it made me less credible. Yeah. And it made me look dependent on a man. Um, which is like something that like in certain situations, you don't want or you don't exactly. need. Or like if you are around like a male crowd at work, like sometimes it can result in like Unnecessary harassment sometimes, and there's also
1: like if you, especially in the like professional environment, you. It sounds so bad, but you want to remain, you know, desirable and almost a commodity to males' perspective to get ahead professionally. And if they find out you're married or you're in a long-term relationship, it's automatically like oh like she's no longer useful to me. Right, exact. That was fucking bars, Mary Claire. <laughs> that was fucking bars right there. Yeah. But is
0: that so true? It really is like you get a one up from like hiding that aspect because mm-hmm. it's again not desirable to male coworkers. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's a shitty situation and I'm sure the other side of it is, like, boyfriends or mm-hmm. girlfriends in that situation of the partners who are having to hide it, like, for their own professional success. Like, yeah. it, I mean, it, it obviously could
1: be a really big root of, you know, trust issues, yeah. but. And I will also say that I have, you know, male acquaintances um, who there's always, you know, I have, like, two three of my best friends are guys. Yeah. For years now. And. But there's also those male acquaintances where it's, you know, there's a fine line. You're like, do you like me as a friend or is there, you know, an ulterior motive behind you wanting to get to know me? Right. And then I feel like, you know, there's this hesitancy to post your relationship if you're in it because you don't want to make these people mad. You don't, like, you, right. and, like you don't want to, you know. If you're, me.
0: like, seeking, like, companionship or, yeah. like, connection through a friendship and there's, like, even a slight question as to whether or not there are, like, romantic feelings involved, sometimes being honest about who you are can mm-hmm. feel, like, catastrophic because yeah. maybe you want that validation. Maybe you want that connection. Yeah. Maybe you want to be friends with this person for
1: career reasons. And then you put yourself in another like tight squeeze situation. And then they just don't ever text you back or like talk to you again. And it's like, what did I do wrong? Why is being in a relationship in a loving relationship with somebody so wrong? How does that affect our friendship? And then you come to realize this was never a person worth associating with in the first place. If they're not going to talk to me because I am in a relationship with somebody who I love They're not for fucking. It's essentially
0: objectification because really they haven't
1: they're just seeing you as a sexual object. I will say that we have mutual friends who um, you know, have like slid into my DMs for lack of a better term when I've posted a picture of myself and you know they'll compliment me and I'll be like, oh thank you, that means a lot. Because I'm genuinely flattered. Right. Um but then it'll be like they'll start to shoot their shot a little bit. Right. And then I have to say, like, when it gets into that territory, I'm like, hey, I appreciate it, I'm flattered, but I do have a boyfriend. Right. And then it's, and then it's like, you know, you don't hear from them again. Right. And it's like, oh my God, it's shitty, It's shitty,
0: because it's like, when you're put in that situation, you, like, I was put in a very similar situation at work, where, Mm -hmm. like, one day my manager never fucking paid attention to me I was working for an NBA team, mind mm-hmm. you. Um, just decided to be like, "Hey, you're doing a great job. Like, let me know if you need help with anything. Like, really, really helpful." And I was mm-hmm. really excited about it. Um, and then I felt like I was doing my job for once, and that I was yeah. like being validated for that. And literally later that night, "Hey, you did a great job tonight." And I was like, "Thanks so much." He's like, "We should go out sometime." I'm like, uh, "Yeah, we should all go out sometime and go get pizza exactly. and beer." Like,
1: "Oh yeah, I'd love to go out with our group of mutual yeah. friends."
0: And he was like, "Well, I met like me and you," and then he was like, "You're beautiful," and I was like. Thank you. Thank you. I, know. I appreciate <laughs> it. And he literally sent me a dick pic right after my fucking manager. <gasps> oh my God. Working for God. an NBA team did that to me. And oh, it God. put me in a fucking terrible situation. I was very, very young at the time. I was like 18. So Even when this. fucking
1: worse. A child. Like, like.
0: like a, yeah. I was a young. Yeah. I was fucking young. And like. I didn't know how to handle it then because I obviously didn't have this insight. Mm-hmm.
1: Like, I was just little. So like That you have now four years
0: ago. Right, exactly. And, it, I mean, it's obviously resurfaced because I've dealt with, like, sexual, like, harassment in work multiple mm-hmm. times. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's just really shitty because, like, you know, here I am thinking that I did a great job and that I'm, like, doing a good job and I'm proficient at work and, like, I get – I have respect. And in reality – I didn't have any respect. Like this motherfucker wanted to sleep with me. Yeah. So it's just it's so sh- that's one of the shittiest things about like being a
1: femme spirit and yeah. like having
0: that shit happen to you. It's really,
1: um, it's really degrading. Yeah. To say it's like is my value to you as a woman. You know, only in my pants.
0: Right. Like my, like your ability to have sex with me. Like that's yeah. objectifying in nature. Oh my God. It's so shitty. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that you have
1: somebody who doesn't make you feel like that because. Oh my God. You know, I feel so lucky every day. <laughs> I don't want to get like gushy, but yeah. Oh my God. She's smiling so big. She's Stop. got the cutest smile. <laughs> Stop it's so it. cute. Um, well,
0: that's amazing. I am so happy to have had you on this podcast. I feel like you are just spilling the insight (laughs) um and I'm sure everybody listening out there really appreciates you as
1: well so thank you uh thank you so much for having me this has been so fun like I was so nervous because I'm like I'm going to freeze I'm going to stutter but it's you're really easy to converse with so this has really been so fun I really enjoyed being on this podcast I love
0: it I'm so I'm so glad that you got to be on here (laughs) thank you guys so much for listening in um We're going to wrap up this week's podcast, but I guess I'll see you motherfuckers next week. (laughs) Peace out. (laughs)